If you think you know about mental illness, think again. This is We Are Hope, the radio program with host and co-founder Sean Perry. Mental illness has reached an all-time high in this country and beyond. We're here to break the stigma through change, discussion, and support. Now, here is your host, Sean Perry. Hello, and welcome to We Are Hope, Breaking the Stigma Through Change, with me, your host, Sean Perry. I'm coming to you live from Space on Main in Bradford, Vermont, on the Voice America Radio Empowerment Network. We Are Hope is a nonprofit organization that brings anxiety education, coaching, trauma-informed interactive services, suicide prevention, collaborative problem solving, and emotional CPR to individuals and schools that are struggling to find affordable support options. We partner with school districts anywhere in the country to support students that are struggling. We support them in a way that has never been done before in a school setting. We bring services directly to the child in a one-on-one setting five days a week. This allows for a level of consistency that is unmatched in the public school system. If you know of a school or a child that can utilize our services, please send me an email at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. You can also contact me via uh, via phone at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. If you would like to book me to come speak in a school, in your school or community, on how to best support anxieties that children are struggling with, please email me again at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. On today's show, I have the privilege of speaking with Reverend Wayne Lightham. Reverend Lightham and I are going to break down mental illness and, the, and, and Christianity. This is a a taboo subject most people wouldn't want to discuss, and that's exactly why we're going to talk about it today. We need to break the stigma everywhere. Wayne, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fine, Sean. Thanks for having me come. Well, I want to thank you for being here on the show. Can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm a um, semi-retired pastor at this point in time. I pastored a church for a number of years. I've been a a Christian pastor. for approximately 47 years now, and I've viewed uh, the Christian life from uh, many different perspectives. Uh, I've been around a lot of different churches, a lot of different denominations, listened to different ministries and uh, what they had to say, Uh, not necessarily speaking about mental health issues, but just watching their programs and uh, being involved in a lot of uh, other issues, family life issues, uh, trauma in the families, marriage uh, couples, and so forth like that. So I have a a little bit of a background, and uh, that's what I'm basing. Most of my talk on today is based upon my perspective, and this is not, I do not make blanket statements. These are uh, statements that I'm making uh, personally speaking, and so that's not to affect any other ministries that are out there doing it, maybe uh, contrary to what we're talking about. Right, right. So since you started, what has changed since you started regarding community, family, and children as a whole? What have you noticed? There's been a um, a large progressive change. And I, I was thinking about this before, and uh, there was a man named uh, James Dobson. He was a child psychologist. And he was really the first, uh, almost like a forerunner, if I could say that, uh, way back in the uh, probably early 60s and 70s. And he, he dealt with... Um, issues of parenting and he addressed it uh in such a a vocal manner to the christian public as well as the world and uh that became a a stepping stone for many other uh christian leaders they started looking at things 
differently. Mm. So when did you first in your life really hear about or start to recognize mental illness? Well, I guess you know, it was uh, around about the same time as James Dobson, because <clears throat> I had at the point I had married, I had four children. Uh, I was had gone through a divorce, and then I was a single parent for three years, and I married a widow who had three children. And so together we had seven children, and uh, then we had one later on. So we had eight children that we were raising. So our our eyes and ears were really wide open to whatever was out there that would help us raise these kids in a uh, and a world that really wasn't looking at divorce and remarriage that pro- right, uh, right. that nicely, we'll right, say. Right. So, so what was the difference um, as you became a Christian? But what was the difference in the way that you looked at it, uh, mental illness previously? What was your experience with it? Well, if anybody had mental health, it, it was uh, they were treated by. Uh, the psychologist or the psychiatrist, and they would be put into an institution and they're out of sight, out of mind, basically. Uh, What changed is later on when we started, um, they started to integrate them into the school system. Those were those that were not uh, severe cases. And so then you started dealing with them one-on-one and you started seeing them. Your kids come home from school and they tell you about, you know, Johnny so-and-so or, you know. Right. And so they say, wow, they're doing that. And then uh, my son had um, ADHD, mm-hmm. and so they was introducing the um, uh, that drug. I can't think of it now. Um, <clears throat> but it was supposed Prozac. to Prozac. No, time, it wasn't no. Prozac. It was um, something to calm him down, everything mm-hmm. else like that. And then later on, we did more research and said, you know, this is not good right. for him to be taking that. And so we started dealing with it a different way. So I guess. We faced uh, mental illness right in our own our own backyard. Mm. And did you note? Did you did you notice a shift from the eyes of a layman, if you will, as to looking at it through the eyes of a Christian? And if so, what was the difference? Well, I can speak for myself. Um, I definitely did look at it differently because my my whole perspective uh, changed. Because when you're out there in the world. You're dealing with me, 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 right, right? And then when you become a Christian, you're you're, spo- you're supposed to right. deal with others more so than yourself, and deny yourself and look at the others, right? And uh, that was a process for me, and I I did start looking at others more closely, mm. saying they had needs. Um, I had gone to a church where there was a um, uh, a child there that I I grew to really uh, be very fond of. I liked him a lot, and he had. Uh, mental challenges for sure. Right. And uh, along with that, he had um, epilepsy. Okay. And so um, I actually took him for a week, brought him up to uh, Vermont where I lived and uh, dealt with things firsthand. And so you start looking at other people's lives who Mm. have a disabled child, we'll say, Mm. and what they're going through. So then you start looking a little more intently on this whole situation rather than just putting it underneath the carpet. Right. And so, so would you say that you, you started to really see a shift at, uh, looking through it, looking through it from the eyes, um, as a, as a Christian, as opposed to, um, from the layman? Yes. Um, because Christianity makes you, again, like I say, you look inwardly, but you look outwardly at other people and their needs more so than your own. Right. Um, 
not negating your own needs, but a lot of times you see people struggling the same as you are. And so it's not, um, it's not a performance base, you know, like I want my child, my kids are perfect and yours are not. Right. It's not like that at all. And there was that stigma and it still is today in a lot of places, not just the church, but just in life in general. Right. And so when we talk about stigma, and I'm glad you brought that up. That's a really great segue. When we talk about stigma, what stigmas did you, what stigma or which way, what in the way of which of a stigma did you actually notice um, that these children were maybe treated differently um, in the Christian community. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember growing up um, as a young lad, uh, and there was a uh, person in the community that was definitely mentally challenged, but, you know, he was free to roam the streets and whatnot, and we would uh, we would pick on him. I'm not proud of this, but, you right. know, we'd gang up and just pick on him, not harmfully, but enough that, you know, he couldn't defend himself. Right. And I reflected back on that later on in life. I said, oh, my gosh, you know, that, that poor guy, you know, we, mm. we really did him a, tor- a terrible injustice. But at the time, we were following just the, the leadership of others. The norm. Yeah. And it's like, they're not normal, so you don't have to treat them good. Right. And that was not a good thing. And so when we talk about mental illness, there's so many, you know, there's so many different levels of mental illness that, you know, as we know. And one of the things that I think uh, in the Christian community, we're going to talk about it much later. But but one of the things um, is uh, basically anxiety. Right. So when we talk about anxieties and depression and and, and those things and, and we look at mental illness from that lens, how are those things addressed or what did you notice was addressed? They were not, um, much to my knowledge, they really weren't addressed, um, in a setting that everybody knew they were being addressed. Mm, It was more like private counseling, private this, private that. Right. And, uh, what I did notice is, um, we'll take for instance, uh, the person who had an epileptic child, Mm -hmm. uh, the child didn't have the anxiety. The parents had the anxiety. Right. Because they were afraid their son was going to have a, a seizure. Right. Fall down a staircase, fall in a swimming pool, take him to the beach, fall into the ocean, drown, you know, or whatever. Right. Um, I remember one time he was on a basketball court and he was playing with the other kids. And then they come uh, tearing into the church and say, hey, so-and-so just fell. So I go running out there and there he is on the pavement and, uh, and if having a seizure. And so right. taking a cradle in his head so he wouldn't damage himself or, you know, hurt himself. Right. And then running back in, getting the parents and rushing them to the, the hospital. Right. And that's the anxiety that, okay, now in a church, say if there was a church community. Right. Now they all witnessed this. And so they all suffer that same anxiety. Mm. Maybe not to the same degree as the right. parents because they don't go home with the child, but they seen firsthand what can happen. Right. And why do you think? You know, one of the things you said a, a second ago is, you know, that it was kind of uh, um, private, private. Right. So why do you think that was private? Why, you know, in a, in a community, right, that is that is that is loving, that is meant to be loving and, and, and meant to support each other. Why do you think uh, something as simple, what, I, what I'll say, as anxiety is kind of kept private? Well, there's, um, in a perfect world. <laughs> There's no such thing as peer pressure. <laughs> but uh, in the world that we live in, there's peer pressure everywhere. Right. Everywhere. Business, uh, 
private doesn't matter even in marriages there's peer pressure you know right. you, you got to have a good marriage or right. you know, your kids got to be this and got to be that and you got to have this and have that and uh, so back then it was it was private because there really wasn't that many um places where you could take someone who had anxiety issues right they would just you know um take and treat it with a drug right, right. uh which as of late, I mean, they're still doing the same thing, uh, maybe to a, a larger degree, but there's a larger awareness now presently right. that the drugs are not a cure-all. Right. They're just a cover-up. Right, right, right. So true. Well, thanks. It, it, it's time. It's time for a break, and and so I, I want to. That's a that's a great way to to, to end this segment. Um, if you or someone you know is currently struggling, remember there is hope. Anytime, anywhere, through We Are Hope's telecoaching platform. Please give me a call today at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can also send me an email directly at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. When we return, we're going to talk about the history of mental illness in the Christian community and demonic possession versus psychosis. Don't forget to check us out at wearehope.org. Again, that's www.wearehope.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. We'll be back in a minute. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you really want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune into Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red's. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to We Are Hope. If you are interested in asking a question or offering a comment about our program, please send an email to radio at wearehope.org. That's radio at wearehope.org. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back. You're listening to 
We are Hope Breaking the Sigma Through Change with me, your host, Sean Perry. I'm coming to you live from the space on Maine in Bradford, Vermont, on the Voice America Radio Empowerment Network. If you would like to contact me directly, you can email me at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. You can also call me directly at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. We're, we're coming back live with uh, Reverend Wayne Lightham. Uh, Reverend Lightham, thank you for being here. Um, so what I want to go ahead and, and, and move on to is the history of mental illness in the Christian community. And with that said, how do you think the fear has spread throughout the world um, when, it, when it's concerning um, mental illness in the Christian community? Because there's, there's a huge block there. Yeah, there is. Um, again, the not only in the Christian community, but as you said, in the world. Um, I don't know how other countries have dealt with it. Um, I was thinking back, I said, oh, my goodness, you know, way back when they used to treat mental illness with uh, shock therapy, you know, actually electrocute people to right. try and get them back on track. And obviously they did not work. Right. Um, but. We've changed since then. We've grown immensely uh, in these issues. But back in the initial stages, if you had mental illness, uh, you were just put into a home or a room and you were locked away right. uh, from society or kept out of society. And uh, it wasn't, uh, they didn't know what you were going to do, number one. Right. Um, I did uh, health care uh, for a short season and I had a, uh, a person I, uh, my wife and I cared for. And uh, she was, uh, you know, she would be self-destructive. Mm. And uh, there was, you know, it's on six different medications. And it just, it seemed like, you know, my goodness, I don't, don't lock this kid away. Just really love her where right. she's at. And right. we found that we could curb a lot of the issues that she did have without the aid of drugs. Right. Uh, just right. behavior. Uh, she, um was definitely very profane in her language. Mm -hmm. And we said, no, we really don't like that in our house, and we'd rather you not talk like that. Mm -hmm. And you see through repetition right, and showing that, you know, we weren't really, uh, we were offended by what she said a lot of times. We didn't punish her for it. Right. We right. just encouraged her to do the right thing. Well, you understood that there was there was more than her behavior. There was something that was going on behind her behavior that, that, right. was, that was causing a lot of that. And, you know, and I, and I, I think it's important to understand, you know, you, you just uh, you said something I think pretty profound is that you don't need a degree to love somebody. Right. Right. No, you don't. <laughs> so, listen, the church uh, has held so much power on how we understand the most simplest of things throughout history. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you think that if the church understood more about mental illness, that it could have been a simpler pill, no pun intended, for the rest of the world to swallow? Yes, it would have. Um, like I say, uh, the church, uh, psychology, psychiatry has come eons with uh, through the years with different things that they've been realizing. Right. That mental health is doesn't mean that you know it, there's no cure for you. So now we have to just deal with you the best we can. So that room is just right for you, or that that classroom is just right for you right. and putting them in like a piece in a jigsaw puzzle mm -hmm. rather than saying, yeah, you are part of the puzzle. Right. And we got to figure you out. Right. Uh, rather than saying we can't figure you out, but we can drug you up. Right. And right, so right. 
uh, as far as the Christian community, they they left a lot of this stuff. Uh, and when I say stuff, mental illness, uh, the uh, severe cases, they left it to the secular world. Mm. There wasn't that many Christian, say, psychologists, or they didn't hang out on their uh, banner or whatever. Right. They just they said they were psychologists or psychiatrists, or they were someone that dealt with mental illness. But then it, it started to become more integrated into the church, or the church started reaching out more and mm-hmm. saying, you know, we need we need to put our hands on this also. And so the Christian psychologists and psychiatrists, they started dealing with the issues from a, we need to love this person. Right. And find out what's making them really tick. You know, and, and that's a really great set, segue, uh, you know, talking about how um, uh, the church left specific sciences, if you will, to uh, the, you know, the quote unquote secular world. And that leads us to, you know, demonic possession versus psychosis. Right. Yeah. So there, <laughs> there's a huge <clears throat> misconception over, you know, uh, over history, you know, and, and even happening in sometimes today. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it be, you know, exorcisms or these things that are going on, we can look throughout history as to where the church has not had a full grasp, yeah. if you will, on what's really going on. So what do you think the Christian community has learned as science has grown from demonic possession versus psychosis? And we talked about this a little the other day privately. Well, this is uh, it's funny because I had. um <clears throat> There was this uh, person that I knew in the in the church life who was also uh, in the medical field, mm. and he dealt a lot with um, medical issues and stuff like that. And I had this uh, well, I knew this couple that I was dealing with, not really personally, but just dealing with myself, mm-hmm. dealing with them how they operated and how they talked and worked and so forth. And so I, I mentioned it to him, and he. He gave out uh, some information, and he gave a, a perfect um, uh, profile mm. of these individuals. I never mentioned them. Right. Perfect profile. I mean, right to the T. I said, wow. And so we started talking about it, you know, and uh, I started talking about other things. I said, you know, and he said, you know, as Christians, we, we can't cast out everything. Not everybody has a demon, you know, <laughs> right. uh, there's I mean, truly, there are demons and they do play havoc with the human mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some that act like they have a demon, but they don't. Right. And uh, there was a point in time when the church was going through a, uh, a revival. And again, it was back late 60s, early 70s. Uh, the revival hit the, um, the West Coast out in California, worked all the way across America. Uh, a lot of you may realize the terms born again, Jesus freaks, our Jesus movement. Then there was also the Moonies, and there was a, a bunch of other groups that spawned from that. Mm-hmm. But along with that, different um, functions of the church were enlivened, we'll say, okay. uh, spiritually activated, uh, gifts of healing, prophecy, uh, exorcisms, things of that nature, because it really wasn't prevalent within the church at that point. Right. And not all churches believe that. And so we're not, you know, condoning or condemning them either. Right. Uh, it's just, it's just who you are. But the ones that did believe, you know, okay, all of a sudden you got a, uh, uh, 
a demon of overeating. No, you don't have a demon of overeating. <laughs> you know, it's, some of the things are kind of ridiculous. You're going to cast out everything that you don't that you're supposed to have control over. Right. And so he said, you know, sometimes people don't have a demon. They need to be uh, medically treated. Mm. They need to be having a, a certain type of drug that will help them out. And I was thinking of this saying, you know, um, people with bipolar uh, issues. Yeah, disorder, yeah. <clears throat> you know, not to cast a demon out of that person. Right. We need to, you know, make a, or refine the drug so it's able to address their particular issue and make them stable. Right. So they don't go back and forth, back and forth. Right. Um, I know of one instance where someone was uh, went off his medication and uh, he was driving erratically down the road. He was arrested by the police department mm-hmm. and they retreated him as a drunker. Yeah. And he wasn't didn't drink at all. And right. He was bipolar. Right. Uh, and they never really found that out until it was too late. Yeah. And it's it, it's really interesting because. <clears throat> There's so many, uh, you know, throughout history, if you, if you look at the correlation of uh, demonic possession uh, throughout the history of uh, the Catholic Church specifically, um, and even the Protestant Church as well, yeah. um, looking at the demonic possession piece, a lot of a lot of what they saw was psychosis. A lot of what they saw yeah. was bipolar, you know, bipolar yeah. issues. And so um, I, I think that there has been a with science there's been a significant shift on how the church itself actually views that but i i still think um and you can correct me if i'm wrong that there's a long there's there's still a a good way for the church to go (laughs) to to really to really uh educate themselves and 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 really understand what's happening because you know we we can we can continue to say um you know this is secular and this is and this is christian but at some point, we have to realize that we're all humans, exactly. right? And uh, and um, we have been given these things in our lives, whether it's trauma, anxiety, and and, and by the way, right? We we have to, you know, every Christian should realize that anxiety um, is a wonderful gift from God because without it, you'd be dead because it helps to protect you <laughs> from danger, right? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes <laughs> it's just overactive, right? And so I think you know, really educating ourselves, you know, uh, or and Christians really educating themselves around what's really yeah. happening, what's really going on. I guess I'd have to say, I mean, who who has arrived? Uh, really, none of us have arrived. We're still stretching and reaching for greater things to happen. And uh, I was thinking of like you know the, the witch hunts back in the yeah the old old you know uh, days where they would burn people at the stake because right. they thought they were witches. And again, uh, some of them were Christians who just. <laughs> had uh, perhaps a, one of the gifts of the Spirit to uh, speak a word of prophecy to someone or to lay hands on a sick and actually believe that they would be healed. Right. And they were treated as, you know, uh, witches and demonically possessed people that needed to be destroyed. Yeah. And so, yeah, there's been some real huge changes. Um, and I, I think just looking at um, the church, looking at it, and and also the world in general looking at and in the case of mental health issues, we don't have to destroy the, this stuff. We don't have to uh, destroy people' um, um, welfare in the community, mm-hmm. their place in the community. We don't right. have to destroy that. We don't have to lock them up. Right. We need to really set them free. Right. And, right. Uh, setting people free is really. Um, I was talking with a fellow about um, alcoholism, mm-hmm. and again, it's an addiction, and. Uh, 
Yes, you know, there's the um, 12-step programs and AAA and so forth and Christian programs out there. And he says, you know, the programs that are out there, they have like a 5 to 10% recovery rate. Mm. And he says, and recovery is one word because they've recovered. They're not doing drugs or alcohol. Right. But they can't go near because if they do it again, they're going to be hooked again. Right. He says he was looking to set people free, mm. to be free from, not to be fearful like, oh, I can't go, I can't go right. by a bar. I'm going to step in there. I'm, I can't hang out with this person because he's going to offer me a beer or something like that. Right. Says, no, right. I'm going to have the strength within me, the freedom within me right. to say no. Right. And that's. And really finding out what's, what, what the cause of wanting to yeah. do those things, right? So that's, that, that's again, not focusing on the behavior. That's focusing on what's behind the behavior. What's causing that? And, again, exactly. a lot of that, you know, addiction, as we know, um, is really tied to some form of mental illness, right? There, right. There's something going on that's trying to create that need. Um, yeah, that's, that's such, a, that's such a, uh, a, a valid point. All righty, guys, it's time for another break. If you or someone you know is currently struggling, remember, there is hope. Anytime, anywhere, through We Are Hope's telecoaching platform. Please give me a call today at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can also send me an email directly at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. When we return, we'll discuss what what the Christian community can do in this crisis and how we may need more than prayer to support it. We'll be back in a moment. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Tune in to Lead Up for Women. Speak up to Lead Up as we celebrate the influence of women in business and beyond. Your host, Colleen Biggs, speaks with guests who have stories to share, have faced adversity, and have become success stories in business, in their communities, and in personal accomplishments. Join the strong and the brilliant ones and understand that the world is ready for you to be at your best. Lead Up for Women is heard live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are listening to We Are Hope. If you're interested in asking a question or offering a comment about our program, please send an email to 
radio at wearehope.org. That's radio at wearehope.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to We Are Hope, Breaking the Stigma Through Change with me, your host, Sean Perry. I'm coming to you live from the Space on Main in Bradford, Vermont on the Voice America Radio Empowerment Network. If you would like to contact me directly, you can email me at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. You can also call me directly at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. Welcome back, Reverend Lightham. Uh, I just want to thank you so far, you know, for, for, for being here on the show with me. What I want to jump into now is um, what can the Christian community do to support uh, support this this mental health crisis? So the Christian community uh, makes up a large number in our society, right? Whether or not they are practicing, whether or not some of them admit it, <laughs> right? <laughs> they they make up a large number in our community. How can they help these children and families that are struggling with mental health issues? Well, there are a lot of churches, uh, different denominations that have taken and embraced um, young people with mental health issues, uh, getting them involved in um, uh, athletics. The, uh, they have special Olympics and things of that nature. And so they really support them in that and they become their uh, support group. Mm-hmm. And these young these young people, they really respond to that. I mean, they come to a church service or whatever and they stand up in front and, you know, they're... Um, they're celebrated for their accomplishments. Right. And so they uh, definitely feel a lot more in a part of society, part of a, um, a culture that and what is embracing them, uh, not just the church culture, but the world in general. Mm. All right. Again, Special Olympics. And as you know, uh, years ago, that would be a, that would be a stigma. Right. Say, well, I'm special. Well, you're special. Oh, special needs person. Right. I think a lot of that stigma has uh, deteriorated and, and been pushed aside. Mm-hmm. And now there's more people that are being involved with that. Um, radio TV has picked up on it as well. I say, you know, these these kids, these young lives, they need help. So so for the and, and that's I mean, and I think that that's a great point. And, and I think that that's I think that's great that the, the church is able to do that to support that. But so for the child that is in his room depressed and the family that is struggling with this child's depression and the, or, or the family that's struggling with this child who is struggling with suicidality, how can the church help support that in a way that is non-judgmental? Because that's one of the biggest fears, right? When, when receiving help from the church, it is non-judgmental and, um, and that is non-condemning. Well, presently, I believe the church has seen, uh, the church is very aware of the statistics that are out there. Mm. There's more teen suicides and so forth in that nature and uh, pregnancies, uh, drug addictions. They've got their their hand on that pulse and they're doing their best to really try and reach out. Mm. Uh, There's awareness programs that are out there. Uh, I'm involved in the prison ministry and there's a lot of awareness programs there as well, Mm. uh, which are brought into um, church life. You know, I... I share with other pastors and things of that nature uh, to let them know. Say, no, there's these are real issues, right? And so there's seminars that are given, uh, talks. Uh, I personally, I know probably uh, three or four families that there was a suicide mm. uh, in them, and this is just you know one person in a very small community, right? So I can't imagine what it's like there in a larger population, right? Right. And so the church is reaching out and um, 
starting programs, you know, maybe not every other week or something like that, but, mm-hmm. you know, every six months have a program that's dealing with this issue. Again, it's uh, whether or not you want to come to it. Right. That's your choice. But right. the church, uh, the church, as I see it, are just like every other institution. Mm-hmm. The only thing it can do is avail an opportunity for someone to learn more about right. something they don't know about. Right. And it's up to that individual to take a hold of that. And so, you know, it, it's important. Uh, I, I want to touch on something that you said, you know, that the church is holding groups. And it's interesting that you say that because um, as we, uh, uh, when I was back in D.C. doing, uh, talking um, at the um, National Alternatives Conference, when I was speaking there, um, uh, a colleague had mentioned to me that I needed to contact a pastor at one of the churches if I wanted to get into, if I wanted We Are Hope to get into the school, right? because the pastor had the pulse on the community. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really important piece because we as a society, although we have a stigma around mental illness, we have to break the stigma around what the church is there for. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what and what it actually offers. Right. You know, the, you mentioned earlier Bible thumpers. You don't walk into a church and someone's pounding you with a Bible trying to tell you that you need to accept Jesus Christ right there in the moment. Right. Right. And I think that those that are struggling, um, it's important to understand that help support comes in so many different fashions. Mm-hmm. Right. And, 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 and a prime example of that is. You know, uh, before we are hope, and, and this is, you know, uh, most people would say we need to go to a therapist. But now with the we are hope coaching model, people realize that, that support comes in many different ways. And I think and I think that the, the church and its outreach can do something very similar. Right. I mean, uh, the church has embraced coaching as well. I remember going back some probably 10 years, mm. uh, there was a, um, I don't want to say a coaching movement, but right. coaching really took on a, um, uh, it got a, a good shot in the arm, we'll say. Right. And there was a lot of churches that embraced that and different leaders um, rallied to that because not everybody um, feels they're uh, a coach. But everybody should be a coach. Right. Um, uh, for years, people think, well, I need a degree. I need this. No, you need to be able to love someone enough to care about them. <laughs> yeah, speaking my language now. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, like to, to go there and to help someone. I remember, you know, just putting, uh, just coming and shaking someone's hand, greeting them. Mm-hmm. Um, the church has uh, has greeters. Right. To make people feel welcome. Right. I mean, can you imagine coming in uh, any place? And uh, they see you walking in and they, they turn around and face the other way. It's like, <laughs> right. well, what's going on here? Right, right, right. Uh-huh. So I, I want to go ahead and jump into this, yeah. uh, to this next part, praying mental illness away. So this, is, this might be a sore subject for some, right? <laughs> prayer, is an important, prayer is an important part of life for, for some people. But what do you say to those who think that if you just pray, that your depression, your anxiety, your mental illness is just going to go away. Well, it works like this. You know, <laughs> you have faith and believe that, then you pray. Right. And and God will answer your prayer. But, you know, as, as pastors, we're the fruit inspectors. If there's no fruit on that tree, then we better try a different venue. Right. Um, you know, I was thinking about this and saying there's a difference between 
the Christian community and the secular world, uh, just to coin a phrase, but in the secular world, when you go in and you're a counselor or you're a clinician or whatever, and you're going in and you're talking to someone, mm-hmm. what you're doing is how they believe you to be is how they're going to respond. Mm-hmm. And the Christian community, how they believe God to be is how they're going to respond. Mm-hmm. And so we both have a reference point. Our right. reference point is God and in the other world. The reference point is really what I know. Right. And that they both they both work, you know, parallel because a lot of the uh, Christian psychologists or whatever, they use the same principles and techniques that the other psychologists use. I mean, they, they go to the same schools. Right. right. You know, there's, uh, there's a different slant. Like I, I really, you know, because uh, uh, because God is in my life. I want to look at people as God's creation. Right. I mean, that puts my my perspective is whole different. So you're looking at it through a different lens. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're not damaged goods. You're God's creation. Right. You know, and when someone says, they're, oh, they're damaged goods, you know, when I throw them off in a waste can. No, that's <laughs> that's a child of God. Right. And so he's that person is in his images and likeness. So I'm going to do my best to bring that person to an awareness of mm. that. Right. And I believe uh, we are hoping many other organizations do the same thing. They, they love these kids or young adults, old adults, whatever, because uh, anxiety and these issues affect every age, every gender. Right. And it's, and it's interesting. And like I said, right. So, you know, uh, you know, anxiety, especially and that is, a, you know, that's we are hopes really uh, main focus uh, because we believe that it is the root cause to most most struggles that, mm-hmm. that people are dealing with. Right. If we're anxious about something, our, our body and our minds are going to respond to protect ourselves. And, and, and the interesting part is, is you can't pray that away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Your body was built to do in your brain was built to do very specific things when specific things are triggered. Right. I mean, it's it just it, it's just the way that it is. And, I, and I, well, again, it's it's how a person believes the medical profession. Right. And how it believes God, the creator. Right. And now if they believe that Jesus Christ came to earth and he was he did heal people. He did cast out demons. He did raise the dead. He did all those things. And he says, you know, I want you to be able to do the same thing. Right. And I want you to lay hands on the sick. And I want you to believe they're going to recover because they're it's I'm going to be glorified in it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so does a person believe that? I don't know. Right. I don't know who's going to believe and who's not going to believe. But, you know, usually in a church structure. I'm I'm believing they're there because they believe in God and Jesus Christ. Right, and right, so right. I've, at least we're on the same footing. Right. You know, I I'm not going to go in the hospital and say, "Hey, doc, let me hold your hand. We're going to pray for this person." Although <laughs> that has been done, right, um, right, and they have proven that uh, medically speaking, that if you go in a hospital and you have a patient there and you hold that pr- patient's hand and you talk to them and you comfort them, yeah. Their healing is that much quicker. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and I think that's, just, and I think that goes to the to the piece, you know, without getting into too much theology, right? I think that just goes, <laughs> we don't want to go down that road. I think that just goes to the piece, though, of of we are all connected as human beings. Yeah. You know, we really are, um, and, and we talk about that. In a, you know, that's the coin of phrase. I feel the love. You know? Yeah, I feel the love. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, listen, that was a, that was a, that's a, that's a tough little subject for some people. And, and, yeah. I, and I think we tackled it. I think we tackled it pretty well. Yeah. Keep praying. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> so it's time for a break. If you or someone you know is currently struggling, remember, there is hope anytime, anywhere at We Are Hope's telecoaching platform. Please give me a call today at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. You can also send me an email directly at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. When we return, we will find out why there may still be a stigma plaguing the Christian community and mental health and ways to break it. We'll be back in a minute. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel listen for mindful matters love sex spirit hosted by dr dory lynn dr dory is coming back sexy savvy and with sage advice from nearly eight decades of life experience it's not retirement it's refirement it's fun it's deep listening just makes you feel good if you're looking for straight talk without all the bull in the world be sure to tune in to dr dory and mindful matters love sex spirit live every tuesday at 5 p.m eastern time 2 p.m pacific on the voice america empowerment channel make an appointment listening right now build your better business achieve that goal make good on that resolution The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Do you know what it's like when this world's so cold? You are listening to We Are Hope. If you're interested in asking a question or offering a comment about our program, please send an email to radio at wearehope.org. That's radio at wearehope.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to We Are Hope, Breaking the Sigma Through Change with me, your host, Sean Perry. I'm coming to you live from the space I'm in in Bradford, Vermont, on the Voice America Radio Empowerment Network. If you would like to contact me directly, you can email me at radio at wearehope.org. Again, that's radio at wearehope.org. You can also call me directly at 802-440-1428. Again, that's 802-440-1428. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. Welcome back, everybody. You have been listening uh, to myself and Reverend Wayne Lightham. Reverend Lightham, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're more than welcome. Um, every, at the end of every show, or as we get closer to the end of every show, I, I always have a, uh, a segment of, uh, it's called Breaking the Stigma. And so... There is clearly still a stigma in the Christian community regarding mental illness, right? And not just the Christian community, but you're here as a speaker mm-hmm. for the Christian community in a sense today, because there's, there's a stigma everywhere, right? Right. But what are some ways that you think the stigma can be broken within that, within that Christian community? Well, I think the, uh, the stigma is being broken many times, um, 
Because as pastors of churches, they come with a message to the people. And the message is to love one another, uh, love people who they are, where they are, mm. and uh, not try to change people. God does the changes. We don't. Uh, we can't coerce anybody into the kingdom of God. They've got to accept it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the ministries, they present a message of hope for everyone. Okay. And it's not um, isolated to a select few. It's, mm. it's the gospel is a blanket gospel. It goes to whosoever hears. Mm. And so when a pastor gets up there in the pulpit and he starts preaching, he starts talking about, say, okay, mental illness, you know, uh, uh, Mary so-and-so and, and Jim so-and-so, they have a child and he's he's been diagnosed with mental illness and they need, they need our prayers, they need our support. Mm-hmm. It's not just prayers, it's support as well. Mm-hmm. They need someone to come over there. Uh, the whole thing about... Uh, uh, Mental illness, I, I see many times, is um, the people get worn out. Mm, and right. so there's this respite. And the Christian community comes and gives respite to these people. They need, they need a day off. Yeah. You know, maybe the church just buy them a meal someplace. Or, you know, just go out to dinner tonight. We're going to take care of the kids or whatever. And things of that nature will get rid of that stigma because then all of a sudden you become part of that family. Right, right. Uh, right. Let me give you an example. I had a um, a lady in the church, and uh, she had um, diabetes. Mm-hmm. And so my knowledge of diabetes was really slim. Mm-hmm. And so through the course of the years that she was there, I learned, I said, oh, my goodness, this woman has to go for dialysis every three days mm-hmm. or she dies. Right. She can miss one treatment, but she can't miss two. Right. She can only be so far from the hospital. She has to get herself there. When they give her the, the treatment, they you know, uh, run her blood through the machines and so forth, there has to be a certain temperature. It has to go a certain rate of speed. Right. It's all addressed to her. I mean, all these, I had no clue. Right. Yeah. And then one of the signs, okay, well, I got numb feet. You know, I got, I got to be careful. I got numb feet. I can't feel things. Um, and things of that nature. And so it is with Mental illness. When there's someone who has mental illness, it's it's not it's not like the public or the, the church doesn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes they don't want to know anything about it, mm-hmm. and so right. um, there's this whole uh, fear factor which we didn't cover at all. Really, that people are afraid to get involved. They're afraid they're going to get hurt. Afraid they're going to ex- you know have. Too much is expected from them, right? And all these other things come into play, but really, as a Christian, when you signed up for it, you you signed up for it, right? You signed up for the whole thing, not just a part of it, the piece that you wanted. You signed up for everything, right. whatever God has called you to. Well, it's, it's interesting. That's a really great segue, you know, in, in talking about fear because fear impacts us all, and that's really one of the main reasons that people respond the way they do to those who have uh, undergone psychosis or those who are currently struggling with depression, anxiety, or high levels of OCD or OCD in general um, is because of our own fear in working with or believing that we can or cannot support those individuals, right? So, you know, why do we call the police when someone says that they want to take their own life? Because we are fearful Right. Of what's going to happen as opposed to sitting with and being with that person in those moments. Well, there's a whole. Right. Yeah. There's the fear of the insurance companies that plagued the public with fear. 
along with a, a guilt factor. Right. Uh, guilt plays havoc on people's lives. Um, uh, and it's, it, you know, mostly when the church, uh, if I was go back to the first segment, the church really dealt mostly with those, those issues, mm. fear, rejection, um, anxiety of that nature, uh, unforgiveness, bitterness, you know, lack of remorse, all those things, all those issues, personal issues that deal with family structure and life. Right. And, uh, Again, when you talk about suicide, what are you dealing with? You're dealing with family structure in life right. and uh, the things that are happening there and the fear of being found out like, oh, I'm not the best father in the world. I'm not the best mother in the world. Right. You know, what are they going to think about me? So shame, guilt all the way around, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it just goes on down the tube. And then, you know, uh, we have to look at it like, you know, my child's life is more important about how people look at me. Right. Right. And, you know, and again, that's the stigma. Right. So, again, yeah. you know, how are we how are we representing ourselves and really believing that, you know, and, and, and I kind of want to change that. You know, that's why um, we are hope is really taking the emotional CPR piece, mm-hmm. you know, full throttle within our organization. And we thank the National Empowerment Center for, for bringing us on and, and, and training us up to be able to do that, because emotional CPR is about bringing humans back to humanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And connecting, you know, on a heart to heart level and, and supporting those in crisis. But the best part of it is about is really how anyone can support anyone in crisis. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's great. And I, and I think that that really goes to, you know, you don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to have any of these things to love somebody. And we talked about this before, right? And I think that, and I also believe that, you know, it's important when we're talking about the, the, the suicide piece that we keep in mind that if you are being told by the individual that they want to take their own life, that they want you to support them. Yeah. Right. They're looking for that support. Right. That's the, it's, it, it, you know, they're communicating. And so, um, yeah, that's a that's a great way to end the show. And you know, uh, Reverend Lightham, I just want to thank you for joining me today. Not only um, have you been my spiritual advisor over the years, but uh, you've been like a father to me, and you know that. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, these this topic and this discussion is not an easy one. It's one that people tend to you know want to shy away from. The exact reason I like to have them, <laughs> uh, I like to push those buttons. So thank you for your candor and your vulnerability um, at this time. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me. You know, uh, you went out on a limb having me come here because you didn't know what I was going to say. <laughs> That's true, right? <laughs> we could have had a we could have had a a Sunday service on a on a, on a Thursday, right? And they wouldn't even known. <laughs> so as we come as we come to a close, I'd like you all to remember that someone you know or someone that you love or maybe even yourself, is struggling in silence right now. Today is the day you no longer have to. Today is the day that you can reach out for support. Today, you no longer have to be alone. Today is the day you get to reclaim your voice and break the chain of silence and get the support that's needed. Like always, We Are Hope is here to help. We believe in your strength, even when you do not. Please, give us a call at 802-440-1428 or email us at radio at wearehope.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at We Are Hope Inc. Until next time, remember, 
it's okay to not be okay. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Hope radio show. Please join host Sean Perry again for another edition next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope to have you join us again next week.